the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, and uh, I will forewarn you that what we're looking at today is really a warning to the church and its leadership. And as you've seen throughout Timothy, it's called a pastoral epistle, a lot of what he he has put forward here is exhortive, it is calling Uh, Timothy and calling us by the Spirit of God to come into the truth of what God has done. It's calling us to walk in the truth of what God has done. Rather than abandoning the truth as just being something that we believe and we hold to loosely, yet we live to the world, we live to the flesh, we live to our appetites, we live to our desires. Now, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in the last days, because that's what Paul's addressing. And I'm going to say this again and again, because it's very important that you keep the context here. Paul is not talking about the society at large. He is specifically addressing the church. And he wants us to understand the last days for the church didn't just begin They began when Christ ascended, and they will continue until Christ returns. You are living in the last days. And all that he talks about concerning the last days uh, is what is going to be going on in your lifetime. What is going on now. It may not be going on in this church, but it's going on in other churches. It may not be going on with the people that you know, but it's going on with other people. And he says this is the condition of the church of the last days. You'll remember last week when we looked at the last portion of chapter 2. In verse 20 of chapter 2, Paul uses an analogy and he says, Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And you'll remember that this is a reference to the church, not the spiritual body, okay? But the church as it is on this earth. The large house is the church, the master is Jesus in the church, 
And within the church, within the church itself, there are contrasting vessels. There are two types of vessels, and they're very different. Within the house, there are vessels of great value, made of silver and gold. They were made to be used by the master. They were made to be seen, displayed. They were made to reflect the wealth and status of the master. And they were made for the master to be useful for a specific purpose. Now that's describing the child of God. It describes all children of God. Regardless of whether they're walking in truth or not. That is who you are. Notice what he says, made unto honor. Okay? So what he's talking about there is actually you were birthed unto honor in the new birth. You were literally formed in the new birth unto honor. And you are made of those things that he, the master counts as precious. You were made for a valuable purpose. And you are to be displayed, not hidden away. You are to be set out where others can see the truth of the master who owns you. Now, there are those made unto honor, for honorable use by the master. And there are also vessels in this large house that are wood and earthenware. And these are to be used by servants of the master. They are for ignoble use. They are for common or unclean or dishonorable use. Now, again, this is the house of God built by man. And I referenced Matthew 13 where Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares. He's talking about the church. The wheat and the tares. You can't tell the difference, right? So Paul is establishing that there are distinctions to be addressed between the true church and the church that resides here on earth. And Paul is confronting external Christianity. That's what he's confronting. So we have two very distinctly different vessels. They are different in how they are made. They are different in what they are made of. They are different in what they are made for. They are different in who they were made for. But both are in the same house. And just because they're both in the same house doesn't make them the same or mean that putting them together is necessarily a good thing. In the church, we have those who diligently seek to walk in truth, those who are seeking to expand in the truth, those who are passionate about knowing him and yielding to his will. And then we also have those who are new creations, but they are distracted with the world. They are walking after the flesh, and they have become carnal in their soul. Now, both of these vessels are made unto honor. One is yielding to the master's touch, and they are useful in his hands. They are being filled, as I said last week, with the new wine and bread of life, and they are the nurture to those around them. The carnal, still vessels of honor, but they've allowed themselves to be used by the world like vessels made unto dishonor. There is nothing the enemy of Christ loves more than to fill the vessels of the Lord with the filth and refuse of this world. When he does that, when the enemy does that, he basically uses them to carry the distortion of truth in their living in order to become a corruption among the brethren. And notice that this is not who they are. This is what they become. This is, this is not how they were made. They are Christians. Now we got the vessels of dishonor. 
And notice that this is also not what they become, but this is how they're made. So that they are not carnal Christians, they're actually lost. And unless they're remade by the master, their composition will not change. Okay, so look at verse 21. He says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So basically he says, if you, speaking to the Christian, if you want to be a vessel unto honor, if if you want to live as a vessel unto honor, clean yourself up. In other words, don't allow yourself to be filled with the filth of this world. Dedicate yourself unto him that he might fill you with truth. That's where the distinction comes in. That's how you cleanse yourself. Timothy is a vessel made unto honor. So Paul says, cleanse yourself. Paul is referencing by way of analogy what you are allowing yourself to be filled with. And what is he talking about? He's talking about your soul, your mind, will, and emotion. And he's saying, be completely cleansed of corruption. Avoid corruption. And then Paul goes on to describe the servant of God or the doulos in verses 24 and 25. This is how we see or how a vessel of honor presents itself. In verse 24, it says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, and repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. So today, Paul, as we go into chapter 3, Paul is going to describe for us vessels that are Carnal Christians or non-Christians, okay? Carnal Christians or non-Christians. The thing is that carnal Christians allow themselves to be deceived by living to the flesh, and therefore they are vessels of honor that have dedicated themselves to dishonorable use. The lost are vessels that are made for dishonor, those that have not been born again. Now, Again, what the Spirit of God through Paul is describing here is not society at large. It is within the church. This is what's going on within the body of Christ. Now, as we look at this, I want you to understand that as as we go down and read out the symptoms or the evidences of people who are not walking in truth, people who are, in fact, not even born of truth, that that is not who you are if you're a child of God. Now, we can walk away from this and, and say, man, it was, I was, that was really hammered. That was a tough sermon. It really got on the pew of, over this, that, and the other. But understand that what he is describing are the behaviors of someone who is not walking according to truth. Now, again, that could either be a carnal Christian or that could be a lost man. But either way, you are who you are by birth. You remember that? You are who you are by birth, not by behavior. So, he is telling us this is what the church in the last days is going to be composed of. And you may assume that Paul is referencing the condition of the church right before the return of the Lord. And I always thought that early on. You know, back when I didn't do a lot of teaching or reading. But I heard it preached that way. It's talking about, you know, right before the, the rapture, right before, it's, you know, pre-tribulation condition of the church. No. 
As I said at the very beginning, this is the church age. This is what we can expect throughout the church age. You know, the thing that we keep hammering home is that that it is a narrow path. You just don't realize how narrow it is because we've got a lot of symbolism over substance that surrounds us. But the truth of the heart of people, those people who've literally given themselves over to live unto truth. I'm not saying perfect. Don't hear me say perfect. I'm saying people who've literally given themselves to walk in the truth as they understand it. Given themselves to the Lord. Living out their created purpose. People who, who desire to be in that, that lifestyle, who desire to live unto the Lord, who desire to know Him in a deeper, more fuller way, those people will always have a momentum towards truth. But those people who are learning just enough to call themselves religious and have a nominal relationship with the Lord and have more affinity for the things of this world than they do for truth, they're walking in the broad path, not in the narrow way. Now, Jesus made it clear, and this is something that most Christians don't understand, Jesus made it clear that the church age would be difficult. Not when the tribulation comes, but during the church age itself, it would be difficult. It would be a struggle. It would be a trial. Many would fall off. Many would take the wide road. Few would take the narrow road. That is descriptive of the church age. The battle is not a scrimmage here and a scrimmage there. A legislation here and a legislation there. A change of law here, a change of law there. It's not that at all. It is a momentum that is going to get worse and worse. Does everybody understand that? And we need to begin, this is one of the reasons that that I feel so strongly about what we do here at His Life. It is about discipling Christians in the truth of who they are so that they can stand firm, so they will hold fast, so they will walk in the confidence of truth. And so that they can teach their children to do the same. Because I'm telling you people, no matter how tough you think you've got it now, if the Lord tarries, it's going to be harder for your kids. And if you're not demonstrating truth and living out the truth before them and bringing a witness to their hearts and saying, this is really the truth of my heart. I'm not saying you're perfect again. My kids know I wasn't. I'm not. But they know the determination of your heart. You may get it wrong, but the determination of your heart is to grow in truth, to know Him, to have an intimate relationship with Him. Jesus made it very clear that things are going to go from bad to worse for the church. The embattled church is normal. It's normal. As a vessel of honor, the enemy is ever at work to mar your identity and change your function. The world is invading the church by imposing its character upon its people. And we see that. Now, I want to remind you that for the child of God, this is a battle for the soul. It's not trying to capture your body. He wants to capture your soul. Where the soul goes, the body will follow. The soul is the battleground. It is either the place of victory or the place of defeat. 
It is either the birthplace of faith or it's the birthplace of unbelief. And guess who chooses? You do. And when you spend time constantly reinforcing the lies of this world, constantly reinforcing the standards of this world in the soul, don't expect your soul to have any balance in the way it thinks, in the way it feels, in the way you act. There's only one place of balance for the soul of man. And the only way we know that balance is through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Where the soul becomes an extension of the truth of your spirit. Where it becomes literally the outflow of who you are in Christ. And there's no variance in who you are in Christ. And there's always balance there. And there's always peace. And the fruit of the Spirit is always being expressed through the truth of who you are. But the soul will not recognize it apart from a determined faith that says, I'm going to walk in the truth of it. Whether I feel it, whether I see it, whether I can emotionally embrace it, I'm going to walk in the truth. Period. Well, that's a determination that allowed Paul to face trial after trial after trial after trial with confidence. That allowed Paul to stand up and go to the next city knowing full well he would face all kinds of trials and tribulations, suffering in the body. And he walked proudly forward, confidently forward, not worried about what was going to happen to him, but recognizing that the greater truth of him was going to be exposed through the hardships that God allows in his life. And he longed for that vision. This is who we are. Now, again, there have been many distortions of the truth that have assaulted the church in order to capture the soul of Christians. And all of them are man-centered. Whether they're liturgical ritualism and legalism or licentious, irreverent view of our relationship with God, we have both. And one theologian said, it is an ignorance of the truth. It is an ignorance of the truth, having correct theology of which we are ignorant and to which we're indifferent. Now, you know what? That speaks to my heart. I spent a lot of time looking at the scripture, but I want to tell you something. This is not just about Bible study. Bible study is important. Knowing the scripture is important. Having the confidence of the truth of God is important. But it's talking about living in the context, the reality of a relationship with God that is intimate, that involves Him, and literally recognizes Him in every moment. And that's a determination. I would not be ignorant of the work of God. God can show me what He wants to show me, or He can keep from me what He wants to keep from me, because He's a shepherd and I'm just a sheep. But I would not be ignorant of the work of God, and the work of God is not about miracles. Though it can be. It's about him and his abiding presence. It's about who's holding you up. Who's going before you. You know, we, we don't go anywhere without him. And we don't walk into anything without him. And there's nothing that we are going to encounter that he hasn't already encountered for us. That's what we need to remember. Now, as we look at these verses, I want you to remember again that this is the church on earth we're talking about. And I see many a, a Christian living in a false peace, keeping themselves distracted from the 
obvious contrast between the truth of their spirits and their self-indulgent, world-friendly souls. And this is a result, the reason this is going on, it's a result of abandoning the vigilance of truth, the passion of single-minded devotion. That's why it happens. Let's look at our text. I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. And as I said before, I've set the uh, Amplified aside till we get through 2 Timothy. So if you're wondering what I'm reading out of, I'm reading out the New American Standard. Paul writes, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sin, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janez and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. In verse 1, Paul establishes that connection between chapter 2 and chapter 3. And after he has just, as I read for you earlier, articulated what the doulos, the servant of God, looks like, he goes on to describe what some of the church will look like in the last days. And again, I'll remind you that that's the church age. Okay? And this will continue until Christ returns. The word times there actually means seasons or time periods, plural. And what it describes is really indicative of what we've gone through. It describes an ebb and flow of intensity in the assault on the church. For us in, in America, we have experienced very little of it in comparison to others. But it is ramping up, right? And there is an ebb and flow to this attack. And it's just like God's will in your life in terms of what you experience and what you grow in. And so you have seasons of rest and then seasons of hardship It's the same thing, only on a much larger scale. We're talking about the whole of the church here, okay? The Greek word for difficult is only used one other time, and that's in Matthew 28, to describe the violent demoniacs. It describes a violent, savage, merciless attack. Paul says, realize, and he realizes in present tense. It means keep ever aware, keep ever conscious of the relevance of what I'm telling you. Don't let this slip away. Always remember that you are living in the last days. Always recognize who you are. And he's describing the age of apostasies. 
wars and rumors of war. They are days of the toleration of sin and of fleshy self-indulgence. Paul describes the kind of evil men who instigate great opposition to the truth. These men who call themselves Christians, church leaders, and perhaps active members. They have a zeal, but it's driven by flesh. It's not driven by agape. This is a warning given through Paul by the Spirit of God. It is to prepare the church for what is to come and what they're currently living in. It prepares in much in the same way that that a parent would take a kid that's about to go off to school for the first time and, and prepare them for that. Or as in our Bible study book, you know, Mike gives the example of going through childbirth classes and preparing for childbirth. Now, the thing you remember is that this doesn't lessen the intensity of the pain. It doesn't take away the difficulty of the experience. But it allows you to arm yourself with truth and with confidence. And that's what he's talking about here. I want you to be aware of what's going to happen or what is happening around you. Verse 2. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. Verse 3. Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, brutal haters of good. And Paul begins naming the disease before he ever lists the symptoms. So you look at the very beginning of that. He says men will be lovers of themselves. And then he tells you what comes of that. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.